Hey there, Powder Keg fans. This is episode 132 of the Powder Keg Podcast, the show for entrepreneurs, leaders, and innovators building remarkable tech companies in areas decidedly outside of Silicon Valley. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and on today's episode, we're going to be sharing a recent live stream interview and live Q&A that we hosted with a very special guest, Kim Jefferson from Blast Media. Now, uh, Kim is a PR and messaging expert, and on this episode, we talk all about the best ways to communicate with your customers and your other uh, sort of relevant key stakeholders during a crisis like we're experiencing right now. I'm recording this uh, on April 8th of 2020, and we are right in the middle of this coronavirus outbreak. We're working from home. We're on week four right now of working from home, which is why I'm wearing a hat. I haven't gotten a haircut in forever. Uh, and I haven't seen another person other than my fiance, or at least talked to another person in person in a long, long time. Um, so if I'm struggling with communication, that's why. Um, but on this episode, we're going to be doing uh, uh, a lot of conversation about uh, what questions people have about communicating in a crisis. So we take Q&A directly from the Powder Cake community. And we're going to be doing a lot more episodes like this. So be sure to check out the upcoming live virtual event versions of the podcast. You can ask your questions live uh, in the community Q&A section and get expert advice. Uh, and you can find all of those at powderkeg.com slash events. And they're totally free and they're a lot of fun, which you're going to hear on this episode. Kim Jefferson is the senior vice president at Blast Media, and she oversees the PR account teams. Blast Media is the nation's only PR agency dedicated to SaaS, and Kim's decade of media relations experience guides the strategic direction for account teams and their clients. Uh, I have used Blast Media in the last several SaaS companies that I've been involved with. We use them at Powder Keg, and they're the experts I turn to in situations like this. Um, and I really think there's this sort of cool intersection between Kim's genuine passion for news and media and tech that allows her to find the hook in client stories. So uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this. I hope you uh, get a lot out of this. I hope you share some of that information with your team and the people you care about and gain some valuable insight. Please enjoy my guest, Kim Jefferson. Really grateful to have you here. Kim, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. This is going to be great, and I'm I'm eager to talk to you about what's going on right now, um, just in terms of everything COVID nineteen related and the coronavirus. Obviously, this is a very important um, crisis to be paying attention to. A lot of people um, out there really getting it right in terms of striking the right tone and responding to this crisis um, through their business, through their their work life. Also, a lot of people that are are getting it uh, maybe a little bit more cringeworthy. Uh, in their approach. And we'll, we'll even share some examples here later in the show uh, of, of that. But before we dive into all of that, I just wanted to get a little bit of context for your background. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what brought you to what you're doing now, working at a, a PR agency specifically for SaaS companies? Sure. So I um, grew up in Indiana. I went to the University of Indianapolis. I really believed I was going to be a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. Um, my, I have an uncle that works in media. I always was a media nerd. I really cared about news. So I thought that would be my job. And I worked at the Current and Carmel. I worked at the Indianapolis Business Journal. I really got a taste for what media was like. I still felt passionate about it, but it was harder to make a career in that than I was ready for uh, as a young professional. So I figured out how marketing connected with news. 
Um, I had a marketing job and through that I pitched a rebrand of my company to local media and then I really felt the passion for media relations. I got kind of what the other side of that was. I could understand what the story should look like. So I got connected with Blast. There's a few you indie alumni there, including our CEO. Got connected with Blast and figured out that was really where I wanted to be. Um, pitching national media, getting stories placed on behalf of our clients. When I first started out at Blast, we were focused on technology overall. Um, we weren't niched in SaaS yet. Um, but through the 10 years I've worked at Blast, we have kind of evolved to find who we could support the best. And now that's SaaS companies. So for over the last five years, we've niched into really supporting SaaS companies. So all 30 people that work at our agency work on PR for SaaS businesses. And it makes it really easy to share ideas and best practices. So our agency's focus really allows us to collaborate together as a team and understand how a SaaS business works and how we should communicate. Well, and, and I've witnessed firsthand what you do because you, you were really instrumental in the early days of the powder keg community uh, when we were even less than a thousand people. Uh, Blast Media certainly helped us get the word out there. There was or, an organic need for a sense of community in the tech industry, especially in areas outside of Silicon Valley and New York City. And uh, that help really is what turned this into an exponential growth kind of community. What kinds of other results are you seeing right now um, with some of your clients in terms of what PR and getting the messaging right can do for their business? Yeah, so <clears throat> we work with companies from startup to public companies. So we have run the gamut um, and we do work with a lot of companies in the Midwest, we, but we have clients in the Bay and spread out throughout the country. So it really depends on each of our clients what impact we're looking to make. So every SaaS business has, we usually say they, they have four pillars of things that they need to affect. They need to affect investors, partners, employees, and customers. So we talk to them in our getting started process about which of these is most important to you and how do we build a PR program that can map back to those? So if someone says recruiting is super important, we really need new employees in the door, or we need to retain our talent, then we'll do stories about culture and awards about best places to work and things like that. And we've seen some of our clients promote those on LinkedIn and actually get more resumes, more quality resumes because of the coverage they're getting. We see clients that really need to raise money. So we start doing a PR program that speaks more to the investor community and that kind of promotion and then being able to use that in their investor decks, things like that. We've seen that help them raise money. So anywhere from you know getting traffic to your website to credibility with employees or investors, um, PR can help affect that. We're not gonna be the magic pill for any of those things, but we can help plug into what our clients are doing across the board. And what are some of the things that you've seen with clients? Maybe this is before Blast was working with them, uh, or maybe it's just other companies that are not, not clients. Uh, what's the downside of getting PR wrong or yeah. not paying attention to it? Yeah. And that, I mean, it's kind of a scary time right now to be a marketer. It, for over the last two weeks, we're, we're all in the same boat, but we can screw it up right now by being insensitive um, or trying to piggyback something that we actually have nothing to do with. So those are, I think, the times when 
we can really come in handy to our clients to be an outside perspective to say, I know you think you're doing good with this, or you think that this is going to serve your audience, but it's actually extremely self-serving and working against you um, in a way that is, is not helping your audience learn something or drive their business forward at a time when it's super critical that everything we're putting out helps somebody do their job better, not just pushes forward your agenda as a company. I, I really appreciate you kind of laying that kind of context because there are a couple of uh, tweets I wanted to share um, just from reporters that I follow, uh, whether it's from Time or Wall Street Journal or any of the major media publications. Um, I just wanted to share a few of these that kind of emphasizes how important it is. Um, this first one is from Kate Rogers and Kate said, uh, finding the amount of PR pitches coming in that are not related to the stock market, the economy, to COVID-19, Etc. is really shocking. Uh, still surprised every day. I mean, this is, uh, I mean this with as much kindness as possible. Please read the room. Um, when, when, Kim, when you hear read the room, uh, Kate Rogers here at CNBC, uh, I think has some pretty pressing advice. Do you have any advice on how to read the room right now with everything that's going on? Yeah, for sure. Um, and I said this to you earlier, but this is all we've been doing for the the last two weeks is for each individual client we work with reading their respective room and understanding who their audience is and how we can talk to them because Kate Rogers specifically feels this way. So we should know that Kate Rogers feels this way through research and we should not pitch her stories that are unrelated. And we already should probably know that because she works for CNBC. So as an agency right now, we're assessing what media outlets we're pitching, and we're doing this all the time, but now is especially sensitive time to be doing it. What media outlets are we pitching? What are they writing about? And then those particular writers, what are they writing about? We're every Friday, we're pulling a cross section of the trade media that we pitch, and we're seeing how much of what they're covering is it coronavirus related and is it not? And if it's not, what are the things they're covering? Because we need to understand for our client's sake, are we reading the right room? And do we still need to provide them information? Um, and from a trade media perspective, a lot of times they are covering. So 50% of coverage that we saw in trade media last week was unrelated to hmm. coronavirus. Interesting. Um, which we were actually a little surprised actually how high that was. Yeah. But it's because trade media is serving a specific audience. We're also trying to do our jobs and keep the lights on. So we have to understand then, okay, if 50% of their coverage is separate from that, what are they writing about? Are there still announcements from companies? What kind of information can we provide them for what they need? So we read the room that way by doing our research into the outlets and the reporters. And we're working a lot with journalists that are calling for sources. So we track services like help a reporter out and quoted and just Twitter outcries from journalists that are looking for sources. And we're chasing a lot more of those now because they're asking for sources a lot more now on different topics. Um, and last week, um, about a quarter of the Harrow requests, so that help a reporter out request, were about the pandemic. So three-fourths were not. Um, wow. Yeah, so we're chasing the ones that we 
that are related that we can help with. So there's like, we had a couple of clients in an ink piece about how they're keeping their companies moving forward during this time because the ink reporter was looking for that. We didn't proactively pitch that uh, because we don't want to be tweeted about by Kate Rogers, <laughs> <laughs> but we are fulfilling journalist requests when they're raising their hands. Yeah, I want to share a, another social post here from another reporter uh, in just a minute. But but first, I want to uh, share uh, if you have questions and you're on the live stream, Q&A button is down at the bottom. I see already a couple questions come in, which is cool. But I just wanted to remind everyone of that. Uh, this next tweet that I wanted uh, you to share is, is actually a collection of pretty hilarious uh, pitches that people, well, I don't know if it's hilarious. It's, it's maybe a little sad. Um, the... And I totally get it that that there is a need for marketers, for PR specialists to find a way to keep doing business and, and find a way to contextualize. But these are maybe some more cringeworthy examples of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Uh, this first one is from Sarah Nassauer at Wall Street Journal. She said, I got it. I got the PR pitch I was anticipating at some point this week. Bidet searches soar amid TP shortage. Um, that was a pretty good one. Uh, the next one was Hayden Field at Protocol shared uh, a pitch with the subject line, coronavirus is helpful. Maybe, maybe not the most very creative and, and out there, but um, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the, the right approach. And this last one is from Marina Fang, or probably Fang at HuffPost. Uh, she said, just got a PR pitch about best disease outbreak movies. So um, obviously a lot of this is contextual. Um, and Kim, my question for you is just how much context should CEOs or marketers get? Obviously there's so much media out there right now about coronavirus, about the economy. And in any crisis, there's gonna be a ton of media. Just how much do you need to be paying attention to every single reporter on Twitter and every single news outlet? Do you have any advice for best practices of, of what you recommend maybe to clients of what to pay attention to? Yeah. So we're, we're paying attention at a macro level. Like I said, looking at uh, kind of a media monitoring perspective of all the publications, but we're also looking at the Twitters of every journalist that we're pitching just about. Um, if we've worked with them before, we already understand their beat. We might be not, but Everybody has their own preferences. Beats have really changed. There are people that have dropped everything that they were covering before and are only covering coronavirus breaking news. So we certainly shouldn't be pitching them stories that are unrelated. Um, we've also given a lot of advice about subject lines. So putting coronavirus is helpful is obvious, um, not a great thing to do, but not putting anything that says breaking news really right now uh, because you don't want to look like you don't want the reporter to confuse your email as something impacting public health so making very clear that what you have to offer is information that could be useful to their beat but isn't impacting the overall public health so not trying to be clickbaity with a subject line that actually doesn't make sense um, we, there are specific verticals we're watching too. So obviously if we have clients that focus on healthcare or hospitality, verticals that have been hit very hard, we are being more careful about what we're pitching them and maybe backing off completely. But there are verticals like marketing and sales and the type of verticals that all are having kind of the same 
issues and still trying to move forward in business um, that we're pitching a little bit more because they are looking for stories that maybe are more outside of public health. That's really helpful. And I, I know that it can be really tough, but I think that advice of just kind of paying attention to the macro experience and, um, and also your audience, if you are pitching ideas, but then also paying attention to the micro, your, your own little world of whatever industry you're in, you know, in our case, tech and specifically in the talent world, um, understanding how people are talking about uh, the coronavirus and how people are being impacted by it is super helpful advice. Um, I want to jump in and start doing a little uh, audience Q&A. And uh, we've already got uh, a really great question here from Lily Hay. Uh, and we'll pull up Lily here so she can ask her question live. But um, I probably need to actually click that button. So uh, we'll bring Lily up uh, so that she can ask her question. But Lily is at a company called uh, Genovis. And I think uh, is going to have, I, I really like this question. And it's actually a two-parter. So I'll let Lily ask that if we can, can bring you hear her me up okay? live. Yeah. All right. First of all, this is great. I really appreciate all this good information. So, you know, in talking about being relevant, you know, not all of our businesses um, relate sort of into this immediate uh, need. And so that's kind of what um, I'm dealing with is, you know, how do you provide a message when you're not a frontline business that's uh, being impacted or impacting others? So my example is that, you know, we're a service provider with very long-term projects and outlooks. So how do we stay relevant with messaging when the public is really hungry for those immediate answers? Yeah, without knowing everything about your business, I would say that based on what we've seen from media, trade media specifically, still writing about things that are unrelated customers that aren't related to the coronavirus right now. It is better to have a message that is clear and needed to your audience that is unrelated than try to relate everything that isn't to the pandemic. So we have advised our clients that have had CEO appointments, new hires that are raising funding, anything that would be a moment for them before to still announce that because it is still important. They still have stakeholders that need to see them growing as a company. They have customers that need to be informed. It's okay to continue to communicate, but on an individual level, when you have salespeople communicating with prospects, that kind of thing, including empathy. So asking how people are, how is it working from home? We all are homeschool and daycare for our kids. We now have our spouses as coworkers. It is really a free for all right now. So just being empathetic as humans as much as we can, um, but not feeling like we have to have all the answers and relate everything to the pandemic. Great question. Great answer too. I appreciate that, that perspective, Kim. Um, our next question is from an anonymous attendee. And uh, this person asked, I would like to know how sending messaging from a sales perspective to a prospect uh, and being empathetic, uh, how to actually go about doing that, uh, as well as showing your product. Uh, how could that maybe potentially come off as salesy? Um, any thoughts there? Yeah, we have a couple of clients that are in um, the video software space. So um, video add-ons to Zoom, 
um, or email that are allowing salespeople to use video. So this is actually, they're seeing an uptick in use of their software right now, just like Zoom is. And that's, that is kind of weird to market. You feel weird about that. Um, so we wouldn't encourage putting out a press release that says our usage is up 800% and look at us and look at all this money we're making. But on a one-to-one -one basis with salespeople who are struggling right now, who had all their events canceled for the year where they were counting on having face-to-face -face conversations, software salespeople specifically that weren't equipped for this work from home, that were handshake steak dinner people, their world has really changed. So it's okay to acknowledge that your world has changed. This is something I think could help. I know that you have a lot going on right now. If you want to connect, let me know here are the benefits. So again, adding in that empathy, I had a salesperson that I had a call with follow up with me this week and say, is this a good time or should we switch times? I was like, actually, if we could switch to nap time, somewhere between two and four, we could really have a better conversation. And I really appreciated that. So just thinking about, again, the human being perspective, uh, but it's okay to still sell things that would help people do their job better right now. Yeah, that's, that's really great advice. Um, being particularly sensitive and, and then also just um, being vulnerable too and saying like, I'm figuring this out. I don't want to, you know, come across as maybe oblivious. Obviously I know there's a lot going on, but I'm trying to figure it out too. Um, what do you think about X, Y, Z? How about we hop on a zoom call? For sure. Um, th those kinds of things are really, really helpful. Uh, lots of good anonymous questions that have come in here, uh, via email, uh, question here from anonymous, uh, listener. Is there a negative connotation if we post things on communication outlets that do not involve COVID-19? Uh, in other words, LinkedIn, Twitter, website, et cetera, as if everything were back to normal. Uh, for example, should we talk, be talking about staff promotions and hires? Um, I, I've seen some announcements of funding announcements and, and things like that, grant awards. A any um, opinion on that, Kim? Yeah, we've had... We've had clients in the last two weeks, one that announced a new CEO and one that had a new CEO announcement, but at urging of an investor decided to hold it because they didn't think it was the best time. Mm. So it's also dependent on your business. How much is it affected right now? How much are your constituents affected? So a lot of times we are advising our clients to go ahead and announce that new CEO, announce that key hire, that funding, because it is happening in your business right now. You have a duty to your employees, your investors, and your current customers to make sure they know that you're all right and you're gonna to continue to providing them with the service that you've provided with them before. So we say it's okay to announce it. Now what isn't okay is to take that news and to pitch it to that CNBC reporter. So creating the press release and pitching it to the right people that need to see it is the right thing to do. Um, but pitching it widely to anyone that you think might care without doing the research, I think is the problem. Really great point. Um, I'm going to keep the questions coming because we've got another uh, question from one of our listeners here. This one is from Jaron Hornbeek, who is a benefits advisor at JA Benefits, one of our partners here at Powder Keg. Um, love Jaron and uh, a lot of what his advice has been just in how to engage teams throughout this. Um, but I'll let him come on the show here and ask his question live because I think he's got a, a really good question 
uh, about sort of the legislation and information and updates that are available. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And Kim, thank you for being on today. Um, so, you know, with the continuous legislation that's passing, uh, like the Family First Coronavirus Response Act, and just updates to that, there is constant updates and, and daily there's information that uh, clients and prospects can use. And obviously you want them to be prepared and knowledgeable on everything, but at the same time, there's a certain point where there's just information overload. Um, how do you find a balance between being valuable and providing knowledge, but not overloading clients and prospects with information? Yeah, I think um, no doubt that is difficult right now, especially knowing how much you ramp up or ramp down, depending on you know how much your customers are used to hearing from you. So I think that's consideration. Did you ever communicate with them something like this before, or were they used to a weekly newsletter from you already? Um, if they were already, if you already had a cadence. Um, and you could just ramp that up slightly for what is needed, then that feels a little better than you didn't have any email communication like this before, and then you just start hitting them with a lot of information. Um, we also work with a consultant specifically for us. He's, in, he's a consultant for B2B media relations agencies, and he reached out to us this week and just said, hey, do you guys want to have a call and talk about everything that's going on? I'll make myself available for 30 minutes. And that was really valuable to me uh, because I could come with my specific questions and research that I'd done on my own and say, hey, Sam, can you help us with these specific things? Um, so I think offering one-on-one -on -one time as much as possible, I think would be really helpful because it was helpful to me as a customer. That's great. Uh, good question, Jaren, and really appreciate that context, Kim. Um, our next question is an anonymous one, uh, and it is uh, this question asks, should I create a web page for coronavirus related updates. What kind of information should actually be on that page? Um, and obviously this is generalized advice. It's hard to, hard to say without knowing what industry this person is in, but have you seen any companies getting this right and maybe even seen some of them get it wrong? Yeah, and we, we've had some clients ask us about this as well. Um, I think it's dependent on who your audience is for the updates. So if you need to update your employees about what your office's work from home status is in any kind of any kind of internal stakeholder, then you don't need a landing page. You need the communication and the channel that you typically talk to your employees through. Um, but if what you have is a coronavirus related offer, so we have a lot of clients that are taking their 30 day free trial and extending it to three months, things that are, in um, an attempt to be helpful to their customers, then a landing page makes a little bit more sense. So a banner on the front of your website that takes them to a landing page to walk them through what has changed because of the coronavirus. Um, also, if there's some kind of risk to your business to interruption. So if you are in healthcare or you are Zoom and you have a lot of um, volume right now and people are afraid you're not gonna be able to keep up and you wanna ensure that people feel confident in your solution, something like that, then a landing page makes more sense. But I think it's kind of about who your audience is and what information you want to make sure they have. Is uh, from an anonymous uh, listener. And the question is, is it, uh, it's a similar, similar question. Is it okay to talk about anything not coronavirus related? I think we kind of covered that. Um, any guidelines or advice for not saying anything cringeworthy? Yeah, uh, and it's 
we all have to acknowledge it's hard. Like you said earlier, we're all in the same boat and trying to um, keep our marketing alive, but yeah, don't want to be cringy. So a few thoughts, um, think about your intention. So a lot of our clients and their competitors and uh, software companies that we're watching are putting out special offers. So if your intention is to help and what you're offering is helpful, then you're likely doing the right thing and promoting the right thing. If what you're doing is looking for leads and new customers veiled as help, then you're probably not doing the right thing and it's not coming from the right place. We all have to prospect and get new customers and we shouldn't stop doing that, but it shouldn't be veiled as altruistic if it's not. Um, so we've asked some of our clients to do a gut check about, you know, why are you doing this? If the only reason you're doing this is to get good PR, then it's not a good reason to do it. So kind of your own gut check, but also pulling in stakeholders that know something about your business. So investors or <laughs> your new coworker, your spouse in your house, um, showing them some messaging that you have and getting a third party perspective on it. Um, we've been that for some of our clients, but we've also asked our clients before you put out that ad copy or before we put out this release, let's have some more eyes on it than we normally would just to make sure we're seeing it from every angle and from different perspectives. That's really good advice. Um, it is really hard to see outside your own lane sometimes. And right. that's great when you can have a partner like that. Um, you mentioned kind of some special offers and uh, some of the ones that have stood out to me are on the more national level. Uh, the founder of Zoom, I know, made the software free for K-12 teachers and students. So I'm sure there are literally like millions of new Zoom users as a result of that. I think that's a great example. And then even um, here locally where we're headquartered in Indianapolis, one of our partners, Nameless Catering, is giving away prepackaged meals. So their catering services, obviously there's not a lot of events happening right now. Uh, stay at home, please, everybody. Um, but they're giving away prepackaged meals, which I, I absolutely love. And it's cool to see, to your point, companies that really can help um, are doing so. And I think right. that's great. How should people be handling, it's an unfortunate downside, and I kind of touched on it earlier, um, a lot of people are being let go right now. Um, and maybe people that were in a hiring process were saying, or they're hearing, you know, that process is being put on hold right now. How should companies handle communication around layoffs with employees and with the media? Yeah, it's really difficult and something that nobody wants to deal with, um, but it is going to be a reality more and more, um, especially for startups that don't have a super long runway um, and are trying to make funding last. So our advice is typically um, to, to communicate as honestly as you possibly can and as early as you can with anyone that's laid off. And then for the people that are gonna be around, how can you lift them up? How can you make them understand what their impact can continue to be to the organization? Make sure your mission is clear, how you're gonna get there because what what how horrible layoffs are for the people that are laid off the next constituent are the people that are still around and scared that they'll be next so you have to spend your time too making sure they're reassured that you have a plan uh, and that you kept them around for this reason and how they can contribute so communicating to current employees 
I would say is the most important. From the media perspective, we don't typically, as a private company, you don't have to publicize layoffs. So we typically say don't. That's, that's your company's business with the employees. Um, and until media are tipped off by an employee that's unhappy or someone that has a connection to the media, you can keep that private. Now, once somebody from the media asks, then you're going to need to address it. So definitely having a statement ready that is concise and gives the facts and tells why you had to make this decision, but why you feel confident in the health of your business moving forward is super important to have on hand because someone from the media, um, especially, you know, we're in the Indianapolis market, we're all very connected. It is very easy uh, for our media to find out what's going on inside tech companies because we all care. Um, it's one ecosystem. So having that statement ready is super important. And I would say that goes for just about every other uh, market in the powder keg ecosystem, whether that's Nashville, Tennessee, or Atlanta, or Denver, or Raleigh, Cincinnati. It doesn't matter where you are. Usually those tech ecosystems are, are pretty well connected and word travels very, very fast. That's great advice, having a statement prepared. Um, this next question is one that I have. Um, it's kind of related to what you were just saying, um, just around internal communications. I saw this headline cross my Twitter feed and uh, the headline was from a Vox article that said, uh, Silicon Valley firm said it could give its own investors expedited coronavirus tests, but then said it was just boasting. Any uh, sort of lesson, I, I know I shared this with you just before the show, um, but any kind of lessons that can be learned from that headline and maybe the internal communications that sparked it? Yeah, so it seemed like it was kind of a internal message to investors that got leaked to media. Um, a lot of lessons. Um, one of them being, especially in our sensitive time, any communication that you put out that you think is internal could be external. So you have to be okay with what you send to your employees running in a newspaper. Now, we just talked about layoffs, and you're going to have to inform your employees about layoffs, and you might not want that to run now. But the tone and what's included and how you show up because of the messages that you send to your employees is an employer brand and could be seen outside your company, and you have to think about giving the facts that are necessary, again, with empathy and understanding what it could look like from an outside perspective, if read out of context, especially. That's a really good point. Uh, just thinking about any kind of internal communication, just assume it's going to be front page news. Yeah. Um, that changes your perspective on when you write an email to your staff. <laughs> For sure. For sure. No pressure. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Our next, uh, our next question is going to come from someone uh, that asked it, and I want them to be able to ask it here live. Uh, welcome, Fabian, to the show. Hi. Thanks, Matt. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I work with, uh, it's like uh, Passageways, and we're like a digital board meeting solution. And kind of like my question is, uh, like, we have a product that helps uh, a lot of organizations right now kind of manage remote meetings. And kind of one of the things I've been, like, hindering off as, you know, as a BDR is kind of, you know, how do I reach out to prospects and tell them, like, hey, like, you know, I'm not trying to come off too salesy. And, you know, there's a lot going on in the community. And I understand, but I think, you know, this product could actually help your organization because 
you know, a lot of companies don't have, you know, security softwares and protocol for, you know, remote meetings and sensitive documents like that. So it's kind of like, you know, pitching it to them, like, you know, I'm here to help, but like really don't want to sell to them. Just, you know, depositing information without asking for anything in return. That's a great question. I know a lot of people are having uh, similar kinds of questions with their own products. Any uh, advice specific to Fabian, Kim, um, and, and maybe just in general? Sure. I've, I've seen some stuff on LinkedIn about BDRs really getting beat up right now. It's a hard job always, and it's especially hard right now. Um, uh, one, I wish we could all just give each other some slack right now because we're all trying really hard. So if you get a call from a salesperson, just try to be nice. Just think about that. Um, but I do feel like BDRs, if they can be equipped with that, they know they have the right audience. So the same as we're researching our media contacts. Um, do you have the information about your prospects, which that takes time um, and research, but is there a way that you can spend more time on understanding their business specifically? And if you fit and then We've also found with media, and I think this would translate, that if we can provide data, then there's something a little bit more objective to that. So um, if you can provide data to your prospects about how your software has helped someone else um, in a time, in this time, or just in remote meetings overall, um, I think that could help showing, you know, adding to what we said earlier with having empathy, being human. And then if you have some data about how it could actually help and they could see that impact, um, then it might feel more tangible. I, I feel like the advice you just shared um, is, is really spot on for Fabian and Fabian, great question. Um, I see another question here in the same vein. I think your advice applies to it, but maybe it could even be extrapolated. Uh, we've got a, a guest or an attendee that asked here, you know, if we really do want to give our software away for free, because we do feel like it will benefit all businesses and we want to make an impact. Um, any advice for companies that are looking to do that and get the word out there? Yeah, we have a couple of clients that have had free offers. Um, and once we kind of did that discovery and understood where they're coming from, um, you know, we have one client that gave their software away for free specifically to .edu and .gov email addresses that need a lot of help right now. Um, we put together a press release, we pitched media, we did everything that we would do to support something um, in a typical time. And that's because we felt like the eyeballs on it were needed to make sure the word was spread um, and it could make the most impact. Um, we have some other clients that are doing things like more extending their trial by three months or something like that, that is helpful. Uh, but maybe not as on the same scale. So we tell them to write a blog and promote on social. So kind of assessing what the value is. Can someone take what you're offering and enact it right now? Um, that's a good measure too. If you have something that has a six month implementation, that's tougher um, to promote right now. Um, but if you can offer something that's helpful right now, we think doing media around it um, can help get the eyeballs on it that they need. Really, really great point. Um, I want to ask one more question just because I know there are a lot of startups, um, a lot of smaller companies that maybe uh, don't have full fledged marketing teams and marketing budgets. A lot of marketing budgets are being pulled back right now. 
um, at least the ones that, that aren't uh, in, investing it in ways that have proven ROI. Um, what do you recommend as like an MVP or like minimum viable communication strategy? Like if it's a one pager or uh, something to get out to a small startup to make sure that at least everyone on the team has some sort of guidelines or rules. Do you have any advice for maybe mm. where to start? Yeah, good question. I feel like if you can even get everybody together, if you're a small team, you can get everybody together on a Zoom call and understand the questions that your team is getting, how they're answering them now, work through some of maybe the weirdness that they've had um, when they've answered it in a way that they didn't think landed, like sharing, I think, as a company. Um, we've done that a lot. Uh, we're not used to being remote. We usually work in an office together at Blast Media. Um, so a lot of togetherness has been taken away from us. So we're trying to get that back on Zoom. So I think the sharing of experiences and what's worked and what hasn't inside a company is probably the minimum. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Also, huge thanks to Kim Jefferson from Blast Media. Make sure you check them out at blastmedia.com. And for links to Kim's social profiles and the other people, companies, and resources mentioned in this episode, head on over to powderkick.com and check out those show notes. We're going to be doing a lot more of these shows, as I mentioned at the top of the show. So be sure to check out the upcoming virtual events that we have uh, of this version of the podcast. We're going to have the community Q&A and expert advice. Uh, and you can find all of that at powderkick.com slash events. We're going to be covering a ton of helpful topics, particularly during this crazy crisis situation that we're facing as a nation, as a world, as a globe. So uh, check those out. Again, powderkeg.com slash events. And if you're currently in the market for finding a new role, a lot of people being displaced right now from their jobs, um, maybe you know someone that has been displaced and you want to help connect them to some really great companies uh, with great cultures and great jobs that are still hiring, you can join our matches platform at powderkeg.com slash jobs. And if you're looking for a great job, you want to get connected to the decision makers, this is a great way to do it and it's totally free for you. So powderkeg.com slash jobs, go on over there and check it out. And if your company is currently looking to get connected with key talent uh, and you want to join the Powder Cake Matches platform and sign up for a culture profile, which is totally free, uh, you get exposure to a lot of the candidates. Um, we have thousands of them in the Powder Cake community that we're matching to companies all over the country right now. You can go to powdercake.com slash sign up and start connecting to extraordinary talent today. Again, it's totally free. Claim a culture profile. Make sure people know about your company. And you can go to powdercake.com slash sign up and claim it in as little as 10 minutes. And to be among the first to hear the stories about the entrepreneurs, investors, and other tech leaders in areas outside of Silicon Valley, make sure you give us a subscribe on iTunes at powdercake.com slash iTunes. We'll catch you next time on the Powder Cake Podcast.